A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. Come into the reading room, all you lovers of language and literature. This is the place for those of us who believe that reading is essential as we seek to rise above the ordinary. And the reading room contains a host of extraordinary people, leading lights of the written word. Authors, literary critics, columnists and ideas people will tantalize your minds with their wordplay while discussing the ideas and worldviews that form our wonderful literary milieu. Come step into a world of magic, the place of undiscovered treasures, a room of reading. And welcome to another edition of The Reading Room. This is the place, of course, where you find out all about books, the written word, and the people who write about them. And with me today, I have Mark Latilla, the author of Johannesburg, Then and Now. And thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Melanie. Okay, so what is, what is your background? Are you a historian? Are you just into history? Are you... What? what? Where are you from? Not an official historian. I'm actually... I started in the music business many, many years ago as DJ worked in music retail, and I work for uh, the Warner Music Group doing business development. And the history thing really just came as an accident. Um, around 2010, we were building a room on to the top of our house in Melville. We got hold of the plans, and I saw that the house was built in 1912. And the plans were very, very different from what the house looked like. I think there'd been a 1930s restoration, a 1950s restoration, and one in the 70s. So I had this idea about trying to find a photograph of what our house looked like. Mm. So I thought, well, let me just go to the second-hand bookshop because that's where I'm going to find this book with this photograph. And what I did was I bought the Johannesburg Centenary book, which was the big gold book, which you can pretty much find at every single second-hand bookstore in Joburg. Mm -hmm. I went to that in the hope of finding this elusive photograph, which I didn't. But what I did find was the history of Joburg, which I actually had no idea about. I didn't know how Joburg started. It was all news to me, and the thing that fascinated me about it was that there were a whole lot of photographs that I remember when I was a kid, driving around town or on the bus, and I remember seeing these buildings that were in these photographs, and I realized that a lot of them weren't there. So I started digging a bit deeper. Where's this building? Drove into town, did a comparison, read some more, bought another book, and suddenly I discovered with all of these books that each had pieces of history that you couldn't find anywhere. The books themselves were all out of print, and kind of a story started developing in my head. And it was, can I take all this information from all these books that are all out of print and put them into sort of one place where people who are interested in the history of Joburg could go to? So I started writing about the suburbs, and I went back to the very early suburbs like J.P.'s Town and Fordsburg and um, Belgravia. And Fitas. And Fitas. I haven't got to Fitas yet. <laughs> uh, I did sort of Troyville, um, sort of that part of town mm. first. And basically just started writing this history. And the more books I got, the more I added to the blog site. And it just started to grow. After about two or three years, I moved it to WordPress because the site that I was using went out of business. And as soon as I moved it to WordPress, suddenly more people started reading it. Mm. And you can check the stats and you can see what people are interested in. And people would get onto the site by using other keywords. One of them was trams. 
and one of them was theatres. But that's a big thing. I, I just I remember actually being on one of the trolley buses that used to go up and down Jan Smuts <laughs> Avenue past the zoo. I remember the tram lines yeah, yeah, and you know right. the ones on the road and the ones above. And people look at me like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "I remember doing this." Yes. When I was about six or seven years old. And people love, they just love the trams, they love the trolley buses. It's like this weird thing of, of Joburg back in the old days that now you would never think they ever existed, but mm. they did. So what I did was I took these keywords and I thought, let me do a piece on trams, to sort of just move away from the suburbs. And as soon as I did the tram piece, suddenly the, the readership just spiked. Mm. And then I carried on doing my own thing, and then I thought, okay, let me do theatres. So I did the history of theatres. Same story. There's a huge amount of people that have been interested in theatre and the theatre buildings. I got to meet Percy Tucker, who mm. unfortunately passed away last year. He was amazing. I found his book, used his book to then go back and almost rewrite the piece and add in a whole lot of information. And that's really what it's about for me. It's like showing Johannesburg kind of like a then and now, doing some comparisons, what was there before, what's there now. And all of that came to the attention of Penguin, um, who published the book. There was a Cape Town then and now that was done about five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and they wanted to do a Joburg version. So while they were researching who to get to write this Joburg book, they obviously came across my site and saw some of the things that I'd written and the photographs that I'd taken, and they were like, this is exactly what we want. So they got hold of me and... You know, two years later, we had a book. <laughs> Which is fantastic. I mean, it really is a beautiful book. And I, I, I took my kids on a little trip because, you know, their, their friend was doing a thing where she had to take photographs of certain areas of Johannesburg, which are quite close to each other, and show how they're so different, but like neighbors. So we went on this whole trip. And of course, I mean, we were very much the people who hung out in Hillbrow. Yes. And I mean, how Hillbrow was then and how Hillbrow is now. I mean, when was the last time you went into Hillbrow, for instance? On Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> little, little kind of closer to now than I did. Although I was there a couple of months ago. But for me, I, I found that with travel, people overseas are very aware of their history. They're very aware of actually looking after buildings, of looking after important places. Whereas I don't find it that much here in South Africa. And, and nothing, well, nothing's being taken care of really at the moment. Let's be honest about that. And certainly not our heritage. But it is a difficult thing because we have, as Mlungus, we have different heritage ideals, yes. I suppose, to the general population. But I'm, I'm glad to see that a lot of people are actually sitting there and going, Actually, you know what? It is part of our culture as well. Our parents grew up with that. And just because we are not people who might have used the trolley buses, it's a fascinating thing. Go to Bendigo in Australia, and they still run everything on trams. Like in Melbourne as mm-hmm. well, they have trams. So it's those kind of things that kids need to learn about. So your book was a fantastic resource. Excellent. So when you went around, I mean, a lot of the pictures here, you've got the old pictures of what they look like, what they look like now. There are some places that are still pretty much the same. Yes, and and that was the hard part. You know, if you go back too far, the now picture will be almost unrecognizable. Mm. So you can look at a landscape of Johannesburg in 1887 where it was just tense, but but there's no reference to, to today. Mm. So the trick with these photographs is to find one where it was either ex- almost exactly the same or one building stood out as being old with the rest of them new. Mm. And that made for a sort of interesting composition. But I just want to go back to what you said about sort of the heritage when I was doing Fordsburg in particular, and it certainly came out when I did Hillbrow as well as a suburb, is that a lot of people, we say they don't care about heritage, and, and I guess they don't. Because those areas have changed so much over the years, I mean, Fordsburg was 
originally a sort of a, a, a white middle class mining area, big Afrikaans, big Jewish community. In subsequent years, it's obviously changed, become very much sort of a Indian community, which has now changed again. It's become very much sort of an African sort of Muslim mixture of, mm. of people. And a lot of the people that have come to Joburg now, they have no idea of the history of the buildings. To them, a building is business or it's a place to sleep. Mm -hmm. And that heritage value actually has no value. But I'm finding that the more I write and, and the more suburbs I do, the more I find people contact me. They contact me through the site, they contact me through Facebook, whatever. Young people, African people, um, immigrants going, I just read your piece about this building. I have my shop is here. Mm. You know, I sell secondhand clothing and I had no idea that this building was such and such beforehand. And that's amazing because it's almost like there's this kind of realization that, you know, these things are here and these things have history. And there's just so much history, so much that you'd probably never be able to uncover at all, which is kind of exciting, you know, just that little spark of, of interest, kind of mm. the one that I felt kind of gets passed on to other people and they get interest in, in, in sort of heritage and hopefully it all culminates in a lot of these sites being protected and being looked after. Well, look, for me, it was a case of I always wanted to be an archaeologist. I wasn't really interested in new history. I was only interested in ancient history. Okay. So from that point of view, for me, like it did change over the years, mainly because I also love architecture, regardless of where it is in the world. If it's clever architecture, if it's beautiful, going through the different years of seeing Georgian changing into Victorian or the other way around. I always forget which way around. Georgian was first. I yes. Think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I still prefer Georgian to Victorian, to be honest with you. But it, you know, looking, more and more into it, and especially with Johannesburg, and having walked the streets of Johannesburg for so many years as a teenager, and having jawled in Joburg, yeah. and ha having parties in Troyville, as you said, there are so many amazing buildings. So taking the kids on the open top uh, red bus tour was also fascinating and, and nice for us as well, because hardly anybody goes into town unless they work there these days. And we do miss those buildings. I mean, doing secretarial college back in the early 80s, and then you'd go and sit and have your lunch on the, the steps of the post office. Yes. In Rissick Street, isn't it? That's right, yeah. yes. I mean, those buildings, we, we, we didn't appreciate them now. I'm th sitting and thinking we need to have something which we can also leave for the future. And especially now with all the fires that happened down in the Cape this week and the buildings being burnt at UCT, we need to protect that. And even when the Linda Auditorium went up and so much was lost there as well. But I'm going to get back to you. Which was your favorite suburb to actually research? Yeah, that is so hard. Um I think from a from a nostalgic point of view, it was it was certainly Hillbrow, yeah, being a place where I grew up, sort of mid to late eighties, and it has such a, a connection with so many people, and not just people that are that still live in South Africa. A lot of people lived here in the fifties and sixties, and left in the seventies. Um, the Soweto uprising was a huge sort of catalyst for immigrants to actually leave the country. So, the government at the time. Because of the skill shortage, they would bring people in, Italians, Greeks, mm -hmm. people from all over the world would come to South Africa and their first stopover would be Hillbrow. They would live there for a couple of months. First place I lived but, when I came to South right? Africa. And you'd, you'd, let, you'd stay there for a bit and then you'd go out into the suburbs. You know, Once you find yourself a job and you'd settle down, that stopover created this real mishmash of culture, which mm -hmm. you could still see in the 80s, you know, with the, the, the Italian coffee shops and the Greek restaurants and the interesting bookstores and esoteric, you know, flea market and all those types of things. And so many people went through Hillbrow that I think it will always stay with them. So mm -hmm. when I did the piece and the piece went out, you know, over a few weeks, 
the feedback starts coming in and people start sharing their memories. But people from all over the world, yeah. you know, they haven't been here for 50 years. They're like, oh, I remember Hillbrow. We used to go here. We used to go there. And it's all very similar. And, and there's definitely little cliques within when you lived in Hillbrow. You know, were you there in the 60s? Were you there in the 70s? Were you there in the 80s? And everyone argues that, you know, their little era was better. And which flats did you stay in? <laughs> exactly, the building. Oh, yeah. It's like um, Hill, geography, you know. I was in Connaught and then at uh, Kings Langley. <laughs> I was in Kings Langley too. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you find these things. Look at this, we're finding things out. But, uh, I mean, there are certain things. I mean, going to boarding school in Queenstown, you'd have to go and catch the train to go down to Queenstown. And one of my kind of the best things for me was always coming back from Queenstown and coming out of Park Station. And it was a beautiful station. Mm. It still is a beautiful station. Yes. And I'm glad that people are actually kind of working on keeping it that way. And then driving up Melly Street, which my brother hated, and going up over, over the, hill the hill and then looking down at Houghton, basically. And that's an interesting thing. You know, look at the houses in Houghton and how many of them have actually been kept. And, and up near St. John's and um, Kez, all those beautiful yes. old red brick houses, which you don't see all that often. And that for me is where the wealth of our society sometimes hides, not the money wealth. I'm talking about your spiritual health, wealth as well. But then what about um, places like in Norwood where the Gundy house is? I mean, have you done that area yet? No, not yet, but I, I have read up a little bit on it. One of my sort of research friends, he lives on the ridge mm -hmm. and he um, he's done some work. Um, Alcus Dukakis, I think he's published two books. One of them was actually on sort of the ridge and Gundy and, and where he stayed mm -hmm. at the bottom of that house, which apparently was on um, Rob Ziegler's property. Oh, Ziegler, Ziegler. Used to, used yeah. to own, look and listen. And it was at the back of his property, there was like a sort of a cave and there was just some structures that were left over. I, I believe the property has been sold recently. It's a fascinating area, but I haven't, I haven't quite got there yet. So I, I've sort of paged through his book and, you know, it covers Orange Grove. It covers a bit of Norwood. It covers sort of the Highlands North as well. It's a sort of whole strip, Sydenham, lovely, but I, I don't know too much about it yet. Well, I'm sure you're going to have another book coming out pretty soon. Well, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I, I quite like doing the doing the blog um, because it's mine, mm -hmm. and there's no pressure from anyone telling me what to do. I kind of do it on my own, my own time and my own decisions. So the next suburb I'm working on actually is Newtown, um, and I'm basing it on a municipal report from 1903. And what it was is that this report was the catalyst of changing Newtown to the sort of structure that we know today. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was known as Brickfields, and it was basically Johannesburg's first slum. Poor Afrikaners literally made bricks in that area because of the sort of the clay soil, mm -hmm. and there were two locations as well. And the whole area became, they call it insanitary, basically. There's no running water, no electricity, there's no toilets. It's just like a festering mess, and mm -hmm. bubonic plague was, um, was raging down in Cape Town at the time. And basically the government, the Milner government who'd just taken over Joburg, were like, this has to change. We need to clear this area. And this report was actually how they went about clearing the area. And they basically tore everything down and redid the streets as, as we know them today. But of course, Newtown itself has gone through so many different changes, you know, from the, the market that used to be there, mm. which then moved. And then we had the market theater, became like a bit of an arts precinct which had its ups and downs over the decades and was popular and then became derelict and then became popular again. And then they blew up the cooling stations and did the chomp ad. 
The chomp ad? <laughs> well, the, 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 as it was going down, was um, the, the hippo the biting hippo. the chomp. <laughs> I don't as, remember that. As it chomped into it, I'm sure it was for the chomp. As it chomped into it, the buildings, the, the two cooling towers were demolished in the background. Well, that's amazing. I don't remember that. You don't remember that? <laughs> well, we're going to have to have a whole thing about the old commercials, not just it's inside, it's on top. Oh, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, looking at, at the history of various areas and the buildings that have, have remained, I mean, of all of them, which is, which is the favorite building for you of the ones that you may have known about or not known about and found? I think the page that you're on now is the Milner Park, Park Hotel, which is such a great little spot. I did some research on that when I did the Bramfontein piece and kind of unconfirmed, but I've, I've dated it to, I think it's 1898. Mm-hmm. It was known as the Hansa Hotel. It was a German-owned hotel, but I can't find any plans. But one of the descendants actually got hold of me, and he sent me some photographs from around 1915 when the hotel was was uh, they tried to burn it down because of all the anti-German sentiments around World War One. But basically, this is at the moment the oldest bar mm-hmm. in in Johannesburg. Previously, it was the Guild Hall, which is still there, but it's been closed for a number of years. I'm not sure why. But this one is still operating and it's still going. Is it older than um, uh, the radium? Yes, the radium's 1922, if I'm not mistaken. And I also found out recently that the bar counter in the radium was from the old Ferreresdorp Hotel. So the bar counter is older than the actual radium itself. No, the radium is still humping. It's a it's fantastic going really place well. to go. And so is Kitchener's. I mean, it's called Kitchener's yes. now. Um, you know, it's a great spot on weekends. Charles Leonard and I used to DJ there. In fact, we were one of the first sort of pair of DJs to to host nights mm-hmm. at that hotel. And at the time, it was still a residential hotel. It had, it had one star. It had people living upstairs. And we'd go downstairs and we'd, you know, DJ in the bar. And eventually when it got a bit fuller, we moved to the dining room, which we then took over. And after a couple of years, they actually stripped the whole place mm-hmm. and opened it up like it is today. And it's a really popular venue and people go there all the time, which is cool. It gives it a bit of a lease on life. It's been looked after. It doesn't have heritage status. Mm. There's no plaque or anything like that. But Maybe it'll get heritage status. Are you very involved with the Heritage Foundation at all? Do um, they help you with your research or are they just kind of people that you have as a slight resource? They, they are a resource. I mean, I'm, I have very good terms with, with Catherine Monroe. She's, she's amazing. She actually she's helped fantastic. me with the book. Yeah. She did all. She actually checked the whole book for me before it went out. I asked her to because, you know, it's so easy to make mistakes and to mm. get things wrong. But they've been a great supporter of the book. They've sold many, many copies to the foundation. I do assist them with, re- with research. You know, they come to me and ask me for stuff. I go to them and ask them for stuff. I'm obviously a member. I go on the tours. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great foundation. And you know, we, we work closely together. And you know, in the future, one day when I retire from doing what I'm doing now, I'm hoping to do more heritage stuff. So I'll become one of those... Um, you know, those the annoying old people. In a, yeah. an anorak, a real anorak. <laughs> well, I'll be coming and helping you with it as well. Excellent. Because the blue plaques for me, what I wanted to do was actually go and set up um, geocaches near every single blue plaque in Johannesburg because I'm like an ardent treasure hunter. And I thought this would be, I mean, there are quite a few caches out there that are near heritage points, which I didn't even know about. So imagine if you could do that, people who are into treasure hunting, finding out more. And that's what treasure hunting is about, is finding out more yes. about our area and hidden treasures and all of that. Now, we were actually walking along this morning and, and talking 
walking because um, I walk Delta quite a lot. And the history just of what happened at Delta Park, the fact that it was a sewerage works for early Johannesburg, and there's still one wall that goes along the one path. Well, it's not a wall. It's, it's bricks that are built into the ground, and I still have no idea what they're for. I'm going to ask you about that afterwards. Maybe you have an inkling. Even our local councillor who's done a history of Parkhurst has no idea. But we were walking and thinking, okay, so the three passes in Johannesburg, we've got Sylvia's Pass, mm-hmm. we've got Monroe Drive, Monroe Drive, and what is the one through Bertram's? That was oh Stewart's Drive. Stuart, I thought yes. it was Stewart's Drive, and I kept <laughs> saying, "I'm sure it's Stuart. I'm sure it's Stuart." And 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 it's an apocryphal story, actually. That everybody says it was built by the Italian prisoners of war, but it in fact, wasn't. I, I have heard. I didn't know that. <laughs> but it's a lovely story, anyway, and it's a beautiful. I mean, very few people know about the third one. The Stewart's Drive. So we talk about these things and they they went to Victoria Yards, which of course has also been another area which has gone through the gentrification and being brought back up again. And they came back through that way. And that's why that came up. But um, I've I've always wanted to know what certain things are. So I'm going to pick your brain on certain things as well. Now, which other suburbs did you manage to get into here? I mean, I can see obviously Berea, Yeovil, Hillbrow, that kind of area. Kensington? Kensington, there is a little bit of Kensington there. Um, There's a shot of sort of, uh, is it Roberts Avenue and JP Boys? Yeah. Sort of from the top. We we did that with a drone. So my my photographer, um, Yashil Pancho, him and I actually used to work together at Warner. And then he went off to become a photojournalist. I got him involved in the book and... um, He'd never flown a drone in his life, so he went out and bought a drone. And there's several pictures in the book from this drone, and one of them was the was the Kensington one. Unfortunately, with a book like this, there's not enough space to really get into the real detail. Mm. I mean, Kensington's got a, a super rich um, heritage, and in fact, the Kensington have their own heritage foundation um, mm. run by a lady, and she does an amazing job. And there's a lot of information out there, so sometimes I feel like I'm cheating a bit. When I do Kensington, I'll be leaning a lot on what's already there. Yes. But the idea is to try and scratch through and find things that people don't really know about. Well, like the L. Ron Hubbard house up at the top of Linksfield. Yes, that one. I haven't been to it. I know where it is and I know about him. But um, lovely house. I know it was in Hidden Joburg. I think they, they did a whole piece on it. But you can go, apparently. Well, not at the moment with COVID yes. restrictions. And so <laughs> but the, I think when we think of Johannesburg and the old stately homes, obviously it's going to be the ones for the, what were they called? The, the Parktown homes. Yeah, the, the Parktown the, homes. The, 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 the land barons. The land barons, yes. The landlords. The landlords. Rand those men. We always think about like the, the houses along Valley Road, up in Westcliff and through Parktown. Yeah. And so many, I'm, I've been so fortunate to be able to visit so many of them. And a lot of them are still in the same shape that they were. How do you feel when you hear about other houses that actually should be given heritage status or should actually be checked out before? Like my house was built in 1930, so I don't think I'm allowed to do anything to it at this no. stage without permission. 60 years. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's why, you know, anybody, oh, I'm going to knock, you should knock the house down. I'm like, are you completely mad? This is like, you know, a proper house. But the, how many people just actually go ahead and just do those things? And there have been a few stories where they've come along and they've actually demolished against the law. What happens to those people? Do you have any idea? Well, let me try and answer it in two ways. Um, I think just because something is old doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be preserved. Mm. So there are a lot of buildings and houses that were built to spec, um, you know, kind of like the houses you find out in four ways. Uh, you know, there's rows and rows of them. They all look exactly the same. They're all quite bland and boring. I mean, certainly to me anyway. But in a lot of the old suburbs, a lot of these houses were built on the same basis, except they were in their own stands. The owners could change a few things here and there. But 
do they really have architectural value? And I think that's that's kind of the deciding factor for me. There are a lot of really boring houses out there that are over 60 years old and, and older. And if they were demolished or if they were changed in some way, would it really make a difference? Mm. I think one needs to protect the houses that are important from an architectural and from a heritage point of view. But it's it's pinpointing that, you know, is your house of any architectural or heritage value? Most people don't know. And it's very difficult to research one property because it's a stand in Johannesburg in a suburb. There are tens, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of them. Mm. You just may not be able to get to the bottom of your house. Mm. But the Heritage Foundation do know and you know you can often contact them and they'll be able to tell you if they've got plans or if there was something connected, historically connected to your house that's important enough to keep. Did you find an interesting house with an interesting story that went around it, which is in the book? Um, I can't think of it. <laughs> I mean, I've been to a lot of the different houses and, and had a look and, and found out the history of some of them. And I, at one stage, there was the one on, on Jan Smuts Avenue and that was trans men were in there. Now there's somebody else. But there was a whole story about who the person was that one of the landlords that had it for a while. And there's a whole story of all the meetings that used to happen there with all the generals coming through and De La Rey popping in for dinner and that kind of stuff. Okay, I think I know the house you're talking about. It's, um, it's not part of the football league at the moment. I think it is, yeah. Yes. So so Denise Rates' house yes. was just down the road. So it's it's actually very, very possible. Um but while you were talking about that I, I remember Dollarbran. Oh which yes. is beautiful house. Amazing house. And that is the only house in Johannesburg that is still owned by descendants of the original owners. Are you serious? Yeah. I've never been in there, but I know as a kid when we used to drive up under, Oxford Road, up, yes. Yeah, up to the end of Oxford yeah. Road. And I'd look at it and I always thought it was a fairy palace. Yes, me too. It was a fascinating house. And I've never been inside. I've managed to get into the garden mm-hmm. um, once on one of the tours. And then we did a, a drone shot of, of the house as well. And it, it is beautiful. It's such a mishmash of different styles. And it does. It's like a magical castle. Just amazing. And, and the other weird connection is further down in Valley Road, there is Herbert Baker's own house called Stone House. I did a story on it because he also designed the garden along with um, information from Gertrude Jekyll. Oh, right. Okay. And he laid it out on the lines that she had come up with. So, I mean, that's an amazing garden as well. It's a, and it's a beautiful house and a yeah. beautiful property. And the guy that owns it now is the descendant of the original Barrow Construction who actually built the house. So, although it's not a descendant of Baker, it's a descendant of the builder. Oh my gosh! Um, okay, which is cool, and he was, you know, also kind enough to let us take photographs, and you know, very accommodating when it came to the book and uh, being involved. And a lot of the, a lot of the people are, you know, if you're connected with the Heritage Foundation, you know, people are open to, you know, showing off their properties. Yeah. Well, like, all I can say is that I'm, I mean, there is a famous Walker because he one of the, one of the first three people who came and uh, settled Johannesburg, George Walker. Unfortunately, no relation. No Otherwise, relation. I'd have had a lot of money because he was a gold miner. What a pity. <laughs> Although I don't think any of the three actually came out with anything at the end of it. Probably not, because yeah. that's the way of the world, isn't it? Yeah, they all died destitute. Oh, well, hopefully that doesn't happen to me as well. <laughs> but even the zoo, okay, I'm looking at the pictures of the, of the old pictures of the zoo here. And um, it was fascinating for me, even though going to the zoo so often as a kid, and then going back again, once again, looking for a treasure hunt places to put things because I'm working with the Heritage Foundation and with the zoo to say let's get more people coming back mm-hmm. in and I didn't I never knew that if you stand at the cannons up in the top south corner yes it is a clear line all the way down to the war memorial from the cannons yes 
and not that you can really see it all that well because oh, there's trees in the way. And I was like, all right, well, we need to actually open that up again because you can see it so clearly in the pictures from, I don't know when, this must have been the 1800s sometimes. Uh, it would have been early 1900s, those ones. But the roads within the zoo have also changed. Mm. So um, Yeshil and I went to the zoo, I think, two or three times. And we were sitting with the with the photographs and we we're going, this is the road. And I'm going, it's not the road. It can't be the road. Because you, we were lining up the road to the houses on West Cliff Ridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we argued about this. And eventually, I won him over when I proved to him that actually this is where the original thing was taken. And unfortunately, you can't get the same photograph now because that road has been demolished. And they've obviously realigned it at mm. some point. Mm. But, I mean, the zoo started out really, really small. I mean, it was a collection of animals that um, the mining company owned in the Saxonville forest. It wasn't known as Saxonville then, but it was um, that whole area was trees for the mines. So they had a, a groundskeeper who came from Germany, and he planted all these trees, hectares and hectares of trees, blue gums especially because they grew fast and straight. And they were um, useful in the mines, yeah. Used in the mines as, as sort of supports. And in the middle of this little forest was this like menagerie of animals, you know, which they used as a sort of the kernel to start to start the zoo. And um, Zoo Lake was also created as a gift to Johannesburg. But what they did was that whole, that all that land, they basically sold it off um, for residential property. Mm. So what way to increase the value of your land than by giving potential residents a park? Absolutely. And it's still there. there. I mean, it's exactly the same. (laughs) Nothing has changed. But I mean, just looking at these these wonderfully beautiful homes and buildings. I mean, as I said, I love driving down through inner city and going and looking at all the old buildings and how beautiful and the Anstey's building. Yes. I just remember the Colosseum and His Majesties and all of those ones that were there when we were kids as well. Unfortunately, a lot of them gone. They are gone. I think the only one that, that exists on Commissioner Street now is the old... It's it's only His Majesty's actually that's mm. still there. The other rest of them are, are gone. But there are a couple of old cinemas still left, if you know where to look. But those big, grand, art deco, you know, magnificent palaces, unfortunately, are... What a pity. It is a pity. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it was, you know, at the time, theatres were very big. And then, you know, films mm. came in and films sort of ate into theatres. And a lot of the old theatres were converted. And then, you know, there was radio as well, which was, you know, eating into their market share. And, of course, then TV in, you know, 76 when it joined, when it started up, eventually there was no use. People stopped going. Um, they stopped going to those old little bioscopes and rather went to sort of the, the big cinema complexes at the, you know, Eastgate and Southgate and mm. Westgate, which were all novel at the time. And people basically just moved away from the city center. And I think when Santon moved or Santon was built, a lot of retailers, Studdifers was one of them, they left. Mm. You know, they left Joburg and they went to Santon and that's where they set up and that was kind of the capital, really, you know, leaving Joburg City Centre. And it just got worse and worse, you know, when ESCOM left eventually and some of the banks left. became a bit of a shell and mm. started to turn into kind of what we know today. But, you know, is it so bad today? I mean, you think about people that are living and working in the city centre and in Hillbrow. They're the same as us. Mm. You know, they, they, they've, they've come here because they're looking for opportunities. They want to live close to where they work. You know, the, the, the Soweto was created you know, to keep black people away from the city center. That sort of spatial geography was a disadvantage to people. And that is one of the reasons why there's such an influx of people into town today. It's because people don't want to live in Soweto. 
Mm. It's, it's too far to travel. You know, when you're working in the suburbs or you're working in the city or even Rosebank or Santon, you can live in Hillbrow. Mm. There are many flats, buildings that are well-run, well-maintained. People live and work and do their thing. I mean, the weirdest thing on Sunday, we were on top of majestic towers, mm. which is just on the edge of Hillbrow, 21 floors up, sitting on the roof, and the overwhelming sound was children playing, Yeah, which was amazing, you know, to hear. And you look down and it's just activity, you know, not crime and, you know, people shooting each other, nothing like that. Mm. It's just people that are living in the area and making, you know, the most of what they have. Well, hopefully, you know, as time goes by, people will realize the value in, in actually keeping, upkeeping things yeah. and not letting them all break down, as um, has happened in so many other oh. countries around the world. Now, if people are interested in finding out more about Johannesburg, where can they find your book? The book is available at most bookstores, exclusive books, some of the smaller retailers. Um, but if I recommend, the best place to get it from is either take a lot of loot, they deliver to your door, and they're a little bit cheaper, and they always seem to have stock which is lovely. I'm always in the stores. Whenever I'm in a shopping center, I always go check. Is my book here? Is my book here? If it's not there, I go and ask for it. Yeah, where's my book? Yeah. I, don't <laughs> I, want to help. I don't tell them it's me. <laughs> well, I think everybody should tell, go out there and, and say, right, we're going to buy this book. It is really a beautiful picture book. And I mean, I'm so glad that I actually have a copy of it. And thank you to and you for pleasure. that one. And as I said, I mean, it's been fascinating for my children to find out more. I mean, it's including like the Civic Center, all the wonderful old buildings in, in proper Hillbrow. Because, of course, people don't actually know where Hillbrow itself is. Yes, it is. The, the The lines are a little bit blurry because in the in the old days there was Hillbrow was really just the point, mm. and they say it started from Pretoria Street north. But then it you did. also had, the, <laughs> and all the people that Cotter Street were like all upset. It's like we also want to be part of Hillbrow. But they're not. They were part of Jabeir Park. Yes, <laughs> but now Hillbrow is. It's kind it's of become an amorphous thing. Pretty yes. much, yeah. Down to sort of Vormeron Street, mm. they still call it Hillbrow, and, and even in Berea, part of Berea, where Abel Road is, they call that part of Hillbrow. Hillbrow as well. And yeah. Hospital Hill, yes, which is next to Hillbrow, is also kind of now known as Hillbrow too. Yeah, which is where all the medical complexes were. It was also a fascinating um, suburb that people didn't know about. And of course, if you want to go and have a look at all of these things, you can go into Johannesburg nineteen twelve dot com. Just type in Johannesburg nineteen twelve, and it'll take you straight there. There's a little index, you can check suburbs, you can look at other posts of interest like the trams, the theatres, the history of churches. So is that your blog spot? That's my blog, blog spot, yeah. Johannesburg 1912. 1912, and that's because 1912 was the year that my house was built, which started the whole thing. So it's a little bit confusing because everyone thinks that everything in there is from 1912, but it isn't. No, well, especially yeah. as Johannesburg from 1886. 1886, <laughs> but that would sound a bit naff, so... I'll just stick with the 1912 and hopefully people just remember it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I, I really hope that people come out and uh, in their droves to come and get the book. I mean, if you find that you've got some more interesting information and you are going to do another book, please do let us know so we can chat to you about it. Absolutely. No, there's definitely a couple of things in the pipeline, but um, two or three years from now. Okay. You know, taking it easy. I'll, I'm putting my hand up to come and help you. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Melanie. All right. And don't forget, of course, you can listen to more Reading Room people uh, anytime you want to right here on this channel. And you know what? Go out and find out more about the area that you live in and try and keep it tidy. And above all, stay safe. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.